Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 248, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. It's time for Thor, Love and Kratos. I mean, yeah, you know what I'm going for. (laughs) It is the dawning of the age of Ragnarok. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, Yeah, it's so funny how we get into these cycles of, uh, like, themes or certain things that enter the entertainment realm like there was a hot minute where vikings were the rage and then it moved over to ragnarok uh and then it's like yeah it's it's so funny it's like you don't have something and then all of a sudden you have everything uh all at once it's like we talked about with the uh the dead space remake and callisto protocol right going to be releasing within a month of each other and people for years have wanted dead space to come back or something like it so it's weird how the universe works like that when we had um I don't know if you remember in the 90s, we had Deep Impact and Armageddon that came out around the same time. Oh, let's go like, let's do the whole podcast today about the movie Armageddon and how great it is. And oh, it's just, it, I'm going to say it because I always say it. Best movie ever. I don't mean did, it, uh, but I do. <laughs> did you ever see Deep Impact? No. So it's a far inferior film. It's really oh. bad. Uh, Really sad ending too. Um, but yeah, those movies very similar concepts, and both of them came out around the same time. Anyways, let's talk about video games because that's what we're here for on the podcast. Not uh, yeah, we haven't recorded. Okay. Yeah, uh, we haven't recorded in a, in a few weeks, but we have quite a bit of news to get to. Um, uh, about a month or so, maybe more than that, we had done our most anticipated games for the rest of 2022, and we both said, "Hey, after all of these events in June are done, let's come back." give our lists and see how different they are from the originals. I went back, listened to the podcast, got our originals written down, and I'm curious to see how they line up with our new lists. So we'll go to that later in the show. Um, That'll be the topic of the show. Uh, But let's get to the rundown. So the first headline, rest in peace. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! creator Kazuki Takahashi died at age 60, according to NHK. Uh, Takahashi was found in snorkeling equipment floating off the coast in Nago, Okinawa, on July 6th at 10.30 local time, and was identified today, which was July 7th, uh, the day of recording. The circumstances surrounding his death are under investigation. Uh, obviously, Yu-Gi-Oh! isn't directly correlated with gaming, but, I mean, it is one of the world's most popular trading card games. There's plenty of video games surrounding it. Um, regardless of re- if you or I were huge Yu-Gi-Oh! kids in our youth, it was a part of our youth to some extent. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! growing up, but it wasn't the main thing, right? It was like Pokemon and Digimon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! was kind of the third in a lot of my friend groups. But it was still there, and it was present. So I just wanted to pay a bit of uh, respects to somebody who created one of the biggest properties in the world. Uh, He was the creator of the manga, so shout-out to Kazuki Takahashi. Uh, Did you have any connection to Yu-Gi-Oh! growing up? I'm sure you knew about it, obviously, but personally? No, I was definitely aware, but like you said, um, me and most of my friends were into Pokemon mostly at that time. Yu-Gi-Oh! is kind of um kind of a little more niche that we never got too into, but obviously yeah, that was it was all over the place. That was a big deal. Um I I didn't I hadn't heard about this. This is uh that's like particularly tragic, it feels uh like weird. Yeah, the fact that he was snorkeling, right? Like was it a self induced accident? <clears throat> was it nature just causing something? Was it something more nefarious? Yeah. Who knows? Ugh. Um it, it's always a bummer when we lose somebody like this that's responsible for something of the magnitude like this. Obviously, anybody passing away is tragic, but, like, he touched so many people's lives globally, right? He created one of the most popular and successful trading card franchises of all time. Um, in an alternate reality, Yu-Gi-Oh! is the Pokemon, right? It's the bigger, it's the yeah. biggest one of the bunch. So, yeah, rest in peace to Takahashi. Uh, 62, pretty young, man. I, I, I don't consider that old by any means. He had almost probably half of his life ahead of him. Um, next up, taking a, a complete U-turn in terms of these news stories. Uh, still sad, but in a different way. Uh, the next headline, 25th anniversary. <laughs> on a blog post published on the studio's 25th anniversary of its opening, Sucker Punch announced that both the Infamous and Sly Cooper series are still on hiatus as neither they or any other studio in the industry are working on projects related to the beloved franchises. Man, what a gut punch to these fan bases, right? It's like, let's celebrate the 25th anniversary of this studio who's delivered some of our favorite games, and they just announced, have no hope, your favorite franchises are not coming back anytime soon. 
Kind of weird, right? You know, it feels it feels petty. It feels like indignant. Like some people at the studio want to do another Infamous or Sly, but they're doing well. Of course, they're now doing probably more Ghost of Tsushima, right? And so maybe it's kind of to get a reaction out of people um, and maybe create some demand for for some of those franchises, even if Sony isn't. You know. I don't know, I'm just speculating off my ass, but, you know, <laughs> I wonder. So. Yeah, it's one of those weird things because you go either way of, no, they're saying this because they just want fans to stop asking and it's not happening. Or two, they do want to pull the rug out from underneath and maybe they aren't working on it. Maybe they're truthful in that way, but maybe somebody else is. Um, I don't know. You know, Sly Cooper and Infamous aren't the biggest franchises. And for me personally, I think... I understand why Infamous wouldn't come back, especially with somebody like Insomniac working on superhero games. But I do think the industry needs something like Sly Cooper. Obviously, it's not going to sell tremendously well. But we talk about often how the PlayStation catalog is very high quality, but it doesn't have a lot of variety in terms of what it's providing uh, the PlayStation uh, audience. And I think Sly Cooper is something that, A, obviously it's a stealth game, but B, it's more family, kid-friendly oriented, and obviously both of its animation and storytelling. And I do think it is a bummer that if this is true, we're not seeing something from that anytime soon because we've already seen Naughty Dog move away from you know Jack and Daxter uh, and Crash Bandicoot, obviously, and now with uh, Sucker Punch moving away from Sly Cooper. There's just a lot of these beloved franchises that um, aren't... I mean... Xbox kind of has this issue, too, with them not bringing back Banjo or, like, Viva Pinata. It's just a bummer. Uh, obviously, these things aren't going to sell crazy, but there is a fan base that I think can justify the budget. So, Yeah, yeah and we know that PlayStation overall has is obviously aware of what their portfolio looks like and apparently has been wanting to diversify, but more into the, you know, games, games of service. service. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, that's why they, you know, bought uh, Activision. Um, not Activision. Sorry, um, Bungie. Bungie. Who used to be owned by Activision, so that's why I'm getting confused. But yeah, Bungie to get Destiny right off the bat. Um, and then and then you start to see them, well, speaking of Ghost of Tsushima, which had kind of a multiplayer, you know, add-on or whatever. Um, and the Last of Us multiplayer game. And yep. yeah. And now we got the Last of Us coming that we kind of speculate is going to be a games as a service big thing like that. So we know that they're pushing in that direction to diversify, but. I think I'm with you. They could do a little bit more to diversify into the, you know, like the cartoony platformer kind of things. We still have Ratchet and Clank making its its resurgence a bit here, but I, like some Sly Cooper, some Jack and Daxter, I think, you know, could could do PlayStation's portfolio a lot of good. I mean, they got the resources. Like, even if it's remasters, right? They could do the the Spyro and Crash route of uh, do some remakes and see see how it does, and then go from there. But um, I don't know. And, man, thankfully our third chair, our previous co-host Jordan Jarvis, didn't see this news because he was a big Sly Cooper guy, and he was holding out hope for new Sly Cooper games back when he used to do the podcast with us, so I'm pretty sure that he felt pretty gut-punched by this as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, next up, Mass Effect gets a boost. Let's get to some positive news. Bioware Project Director and Mass Effect 4 lead Michael Gamble announced on Twitter that Mary DeMarle, uh will be joining the Mass Effect team as Senior Narrative Director. Now, if you're wondering, Mary DeMarle, why should I care about her name? Like, obviously, she's probably talented. She got this job for a reason, but what did she do? Uh, she worked on both Deus Ex and the recent Guardians of the Galaxy, which was applauded for its narrative, right? That was its strength. It uh, was nominated for a Game Award, amongst other stuff. Um, you know, many people, me included, thought the gameplay is probably the weaker part of that game with the narrative being super strong. Um, obviously, that's a sci-fi-centric game. Deus Ex is very much the same way. I'm super excited about this, Dom, because I want the most talented people working on the next Mass Effect, right? You know how big of a Mass Effect fan I am. So this is dope, because I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy. Its narrative was really well done, and who knows if we'll ever get a sequel to that game with everything happening with Square Enix selling off their Western studios. Who bought them? I can't remember who bought Eidos Montreal and... Uh, I'm going to find uh, Dang, the name's escaping me. It wasn't. It wasn't the European people that buy everything, right? Embracer Group. 
Embracer Group. Yeah, it was. Okay, so it was the THQ, former THQ Nordic people, right? Or maybe I'm conflating them. Hmm. They are... Who is Embracer Group? Let's see. Type in type in Embracer Group THQ Nordic and see if something pops up. Because if that's the case, then I, that's exactly who I'm thinking of. But it might be two separate groups. Embracer Group, formerly Nordic Games Licensing, and THQ Nordic. Yep, okay, yeah. Company. So you're right. It's like a conglomerate. It's like a conglomerate, yeah. So we don't know if they're going to keep that license for Eidos Montreal and get a sequel. But Mary Tomorrow being attached to Mass Effect, the thing, Dom, with Guardians of the Galaxy, because you didn't play it, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I did not. As you'd expect from something Guardians of the Galaxy, the focus was on the characters and their relationships with one another and the dialogue and the comedy. And, you know, Mass Effect isn't necessarily known for its comedy. It has some some funny dialogue moments, but it's those character relationships that are so important to Mass Effect that I think she is really good at. And obviously the Guardians of the Galaxy are a team, right, of people traveling the universe in very much the same way Shepard, whoever the main character is for the next Mass Effect, along with your companions those relationships are important. So that's what gets me excited. I'm I'm really um, interested to see what she brings to the table. And if she can go from this and maybe they bring her on for like Dragon Age or other projects at Bioware as well, like hopefully they keep her around because she is very talented and I'm glad she joined the team. Yeah, anytime, especially for... I, 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 do you think like, I, I think about Andromeda every once in a while, like was that... Is it worth going and, and trying out? It's always on sale, but I really liked Mass Effects two and three, but it seemed like Andromeda was supposedly kind of a a drop off. But in any case, for yeah, for going forward, it's always good to see when studios are getting you know good talent uh, in in their development pipeline. So yeah, yes, this should be good. And then like you said, like not just Mass Effect, but yeah, other other Bioware projects too going forward. So yeah, um. With Andromeda, I played like an hour, not enough to really get a, a solid opinion on it, honestly, and I didn't even suffer any of the bugs or anything um, that people were complaining about. I think at this point, it might be worth going back to, and I, I've been contemplating that as well, because it's always the thing, like, I don't think it's as bad as people thought, too, with video games, a lot of its issues at launch were performance-based, so I wonder if, obviously, those have been ironed out, with those being gone, if it still is worthy of experiencing who knows Didn't it get, like, you have me thinking about it and wasn't it kind of like a kind of like craig with halo infinite where it just got like memed to hell yeah like, kind of not that the game was you know 10 out of 10 i don't know but but it just got like overly abused just for the fun of it because people like to pile on sometimes uh, if I remember correctly, that's how that kind of went down, too. So it it was. Like... It was like there was the stair gif that went viral of, like, her legs okay. freaking out walking down the stairs. And then there yes. was, like, the the face thing, too. That's right. Yeah, that's how always how it is. And um, from the people I know that played it, obviously, they didn't think it was as good as 2 or 3. But they did think it was worth playing and they enjoyed it. And we don't necessarily get a whole lot of games like that, like a, like a Bioware RPG. Um, you know, the first other major Krakata that we're going to get soon is Starfield, right? in like a big triple a quadruple a form so and I, I might i might go back to it you have me thinking uh you know with all the delays and everything happening i might find room for it we'll see i feel, I feel like it's on game pass too or well it must be because of ea's uh oh yeah ea access yeah it might be on there i own it because i bought it at launch because ah. duh but uh <laughs> yeah uh speaking of delays though we got uh an announcement of a release date and then we got a delay that follow that's kind of interesting so first up, the really good news, God of War Ragnarok is indeed coming out this year at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's set to be released November 9th, 2022, revealed via PlayStation blog post earlier this week. Uh, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I hate that PlayStation sometimes does this, just like when Nintendo does it. Like, it kind of takes all the air out of the room. Like, I, I understand you want to wait until you know you can hit a date to announce the date. But like, do some flair. Like, this is God of War Ragnarok, and you're like, yeah, it's coming out November 9th. I'm sure there was a trailer, but it wasn't like part of an event or like it was just like a tweet, like a post. You know what I mean? Um, which I think God of War Ragnarok and Sony Santa Monica honestly deserve a little bit more 
uh, than that. But, you know, I'm happy we got a date, but I just felt that that was kind of a bummer that it was announced that way. You know, not a huge thing, but like a bit of a preference issue for me. It makes me wonder, like, was it planned to be a part of their last state of play? But like, not necessarily that they weren't quite sure of the date yet, but maybe like that trailer just wasn't ready yet or some other stuff just didn't work out and they weren't ready to be in that showcase. So they just kind of waited instead of, I don't know, or something like that. I, I can't think of a good reason, even from a greedy perspective for Sony, why they would just kind of, like you said, just kind of poop it out there on a random day on its own. Not that it's not going to get attention and it's exciting, but it could have had, yeah, way more pop if they, uh, I don't know, put it, <laughs> did something cool, cooler. I don't know. I didn't even watch the trailer because I don't need to, right, for God of War Ragnarok personally. I did see the image of Kratos and Atreus standing in front of uh, Fenrir and such a dope shot. Uh, And obviously, if you're familiar with Norse mythology, Fenrir plays a huge role in the story of Ragnarok. I'm not going to ruin it for you if you don't want to know, but I'm so stoked. Um, Yeah, so uh, anyways, following that, so this is on the same day Forspoken actually got delayed. Uh, I got to, it was originally going to be coming out October 11th, 2022, and was delayed to January 24th, 2023. And the interesting thing about this, excuse me, is the message that the Forspoken team put out there. They said, quote, as a result of ongoing discussions with key partners, we have made the strategic decision to move the launch date of Forspoken. All game elements are now complete and development is in its final polishing phase, unquote. This led the internet to speculate, as it does that what if Sony was like, hey, we have Last of Us and uh, God of War coming out this fall. We still want to, you know, for your major marketing partner and we want you to be successful. Let's possibly delay to early next year so you have your own time because um, both will help the platform end the game, right? Not only will PlayStation get another beat of a release coming out, but Forspoken has a chance to thrive uh, outside of two of the most anticipated releases uh, coming out. What What do you think? You think there's truth to these murmurings? Um, I do. I I'd probably put. I I bet a a good amount of my savings on this being the case, especially with the wording in their message. I just feel like there's not like an over. There's not too many games coming out this fall that you would benefit more from having its own time as you would be sacrificing from not having the holiday season, right? Because yeah, you're getting. A little bit more dedicated to time, but also in January there's Callisto and uh, there was something else too that I'm not thinking of. Um, but anyway, like you're losing out on all the holiday sales. Like I feel like that would be a bigger loss than um, you know being in proximity to to God of War. Uh, now, as far as there being weird deals and agreements or whatever that are driving it, uh, that makes I I wouldn't doubt that for a second. I just don't know if that particular logic would explain it but maybe i don't know yeah but we're also talking about holiday releases that all cost 70 dollars on playstation right like last of us is going to cost 70 dollars god of war is going to cost 70 dollars for spoken is going to cost 70 dollars so it's like that's another hurdle too of like sure the holiday sales are great but and they probably ran the numbers like maybe for a game like for spoken the holiday isn't as crazy with that competition as it would be coming out in january even against Callisto Protocol, because uh, Callisto Protocol, obviously, multi-platform release, horror title, so it is more niche, right? Horror games tend to just sell less than other genres. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, normally I'd be like, oh, that's that's an interesting idea. But the fact that they went as far as to mention ongoing discussions with key partners, we've made a strategic decision. It's weird. I'm like, that to yeah. me sounds like that has to be the case to some extent. Yeah, it's very weird. Um and there's even other titles that are coming out this fall that we don't have a release date for, like uh, Hogwarts Legacy, which is also partnered with PlayStation on marketing. No release date for that. Well, that's so. Uh, I thought that got delayed. My bad. No, it's 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 loosely December. So yeah, it's probably gonna get delayed. Uh, but yeah, that's also weird. Um. Anyways, let's get to our most anticipated games for the rest of the year. I'm gonna first go over our list from earlier this year, which was like I think a month or so ago. And then we're going to go over our new lists. So I'll go over my list first, and then we'll go over Dom's. So at five, I had The Quarry, which we know for a fact is going to be off of both of our lists. It was on your list as well because the game came out. 
I haven't played it yet. I'm waiting. I'm going to probably play it closer to October. Uh, you obviously have played it, but it's already come out. Uh, number four, I had Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is slated for November. Uh, and number three, this was funny listening back to it. I said, number three is a bit of a cheat for me. I have God of War, Ragnarok, and The Last of Us Part 1, uh, which I called Last of Us Remake at that time. Uh, there's no way both of these games come out this year, so whatever one comes out this year, that's the one I'm going to have at number three. Uh, number two, I had Stalker 2, a game that recently got delayed, Dom. It was slated for December 4th of this year, got delayed to 2023. And then my number one was Cuphead DLC, which I've started playing because it recently came out, which also won't be on my list this time for obvious reasons. Uh, your list now. Uh, so you had The Quarry. Do you remember the rest of it off, off of memory, or would you like me to go off of it? I know I mentioned God of War and Callisto Protocol for sure. Nope, Callisto wasn't on your list. God oh, of War right. was your number one. Okay. I want to say I mentioned Last of Us and That was your number four. Um, yep, that was your number three. Uh, Stray, the cat game, maybe? Nope. No? Oh. You had rights. one game that recently got delayed and another game that we think is getting delayed and also might not review very well. Forspoken was on my list, that's right. Yep, number two. Um, so was Gotham Knights on there? I might have... Yep, number five. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So those are your five. Gotham Knights, Last of Us Part 1, The Quarry, Forspoken, and God of War Ragnarok. Um, so we had two matching. We both had The Quarry and we both had God of War Ragnarok. Well, three technically because you had Last of Us and I had it like tied with God of War. So let's get to our new list and we'll see how, in how things change. We're both not going to have uh, two on there because... So you're not going to have Forspoken, you're not going to have The Quarry, and I'm not going to have The Quarry, and I'm not going to have Cuphead DLC. Oh, I guess in Stalker 2 as well, so that's 3. Because um, that got delayed. We'll go five, five, four, four. You know, we usually do it. My number 5, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Now, um, I would say that the trailer they showed at Summer Game Fest wasn't great. It was a cool cinematic. It did nothing for the actual gameplay. Um, which I understand with this game because it is an XCOM-like with cards. And I don't think that ever shows well in a gameplay demonstration. I think the people who want to see that gameplay will seek it out. But when you're showing a trailer to people to get them interested, I just don't think it'll ever play well, personally. So the CG trailer works. They introduced uh, that the bad uh, guy in the game is going to have, like, demonic versions of uh, Marvel characters, which is dope. They showed off Venom. They showed off Hulk. They showed off Scarlet Witch. And I think I'm missing another one. Um, Spider-Man is going to be in the game, not as a PlayStation exclusive, which is always great to see. And, uh, there's probably going to be other character reveals as well. People going to be in the game. I'm just excited for it. You know how much I love Marvel. Uh, I really like the XCOM style. I've played XCOM. Um, I like those type of games. I'm interested to see how it plays in the world of Marvel. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, loose October date, I believe. Uh, maybe they actually gave a specific date. Um, but I am very interested in it so that's my number five uh so i made the mistake of not putting these necessarily in order uh, but i guess i'm gonna say i'll start with five at gotham knights i'll keep that i think that's where i had it before so this should be i mean i should be like over the moon this should be like one or two for me um being i don't know i just uh, <clears throat> I'm not like a big DC guy necessarily, but anything Batman I usually get really into. And with the Arkham games, even Arkham Origins, I had played and really loved that one too. Um, I don't know. I just, <laughs> this should be this, like everything on paper about this sounds like, like incredible. Like we're getting an Arkham game with different characters, not just one new character, um, but obviously four with, uh, with Robin, Red Hood, Nightwing, and, and Batgirl is like, that sounds cool as hell and, and then obviously like the coolest part the whole court of owls um story being you know them being kind of like the the villain here i know everything about this sounds incredible but everything the gameplay that we that i've seen is just not it's just kind of underwhelmed for like a lot of reasons it hasn't looked like super polished or necessarily like innovative or cool or anything special it kind of just looks like at best more arkham maybe even worse and i don't know something about it is just kind of like gives me hesitation but i'm holding out hope it's still on the list even though it's you know fifth on the list so there we go gotham Knights. It, the real bummer about it is i think it should be on my list too but it's the closest we've got the last half decade to the 
like the 2000 2010s superhero licensed games before Arkham first came out, right? Like you know what I'm talking about like the more generic y not really as passionately focused uh licensed mm-hmm. games. Uh, which is a bummer. Uh, I, my hope, Dom, and I'm pretty sure you're the same way, I hope this thing reviews tremendously well and gets me hyped closer yeah, to release. But as it sits, it's so hard to be juiced up about it. And I think, you 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 can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the reason it's even fifth on your list is because of your love of Batman, right? And your connection yeah. to that franchise as a whole. So yeah. We'll see. It's Hopefully it's good. Yeah. If it wasn't for J.K. Rowling, I might be interested in Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, <laughs> it looks incredible yeah. if i'm being honest the game like the game is that self like looks great but and i don't really i don't have nothing going for harry potter i don't care about that franchise whatsoever and i was super impressed by it but it's like that's a real bummer for Ugh. someone who's not already invested i because I, I can obviously empathize with people who are super big fans that are, are you know stuck and if they want to do it anyway then you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get on their case about it but you know that's up to them but for me, it's like easy. Like I just won't get into it. It's it's kind of a cop out, right? Yeah, the game does look great though, which is the biggest bummer of it all. Yeah. Um, number four, uh, staying on my list, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I cannot wait. Uh, I know a lot of people our age tend to get jaded over Pokemon, which I kind of understand, but also I think people tend to lose that these games are at their core designed for kids, right? They're designed for kids between 5 and 15, not for somebody who's 30 years old. Not to say you can't enjoy them at that age. I'm just, you know, that's not the point of them. I still find fun in Pokemon. Um, I think oftentimes people approach the newer Pokemon games with expectations of them being something they're not. Not to say you can't be critical of things they should improve on, for sure. But I do think there's some aspects of the game that people just don't understand won't change because of the core demographic of Pokemon. Um... That being said, I'm super excited for it. I love the legendaries being based on, like, one's a more traditional motorcycle. I don't know if you've seen them, Dom. Um, They're like dragons, but one has, like, a very traditional motorcycle tire as its, like, legs. And the other one is more like a futuristic Tron-type bike. Really cool. Obviously, the Pokemon they've showed off look dope. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited for it. I love that it's taking the Pokemon Arceus engine and putting it into a full-fledged mainline game. I can't wait to play it. I like the idea of it being more open in terms of you not having to tackle the gyms in a specific order. Uh, so I'm assuming it might be like after you beat the first badge, the second badge, that trainer's Pokemon are going to be a certain level. So it kind of dynamically changes based on the path you take. Um, yeah, super excited for it. Which, can't wait. I love Pokemon. Actually, I always will. I, I, I haven't paid hardly any attention to Pokemon, obviously, in recent years. But I'm I'm remembering back when... You know, depending on what your starter was and the you know the few Pokemon you picked up, hitting walls early on at certain gyms because just oh yeah, like if you pick Charmander in uh, uh, red and blue, Brock was a stone wall, so you had to go out and catch like a Caterpie and evolve it into a Butterfree, or do mm-hmm. something like that and get a Grass type on your team because it was tough. So having so it was like Brock and then Misty. That's like a stone wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So like having some flexibility could alleviate that but that's also a a bit of a feature too because i think it's see the value in you know forcing the player to go out and catch more types of pokemon and invest in them too i don't know they could see it yeah plus we got colors again right so exactly uh my my big critique with gyms it's two things one i think every gym leader should have six pokemon i for me just lore wise canon wise that makes most sense to me uh, that I think every tr- uh, every gym leader should have six Pokemon that are different. He shouldn't. He's a poison leader, Dom. He shouldn't have two coughings and a wheezing. That's kind of lame, especially at this point with the roster Pokemon. My other thing is I think all gyms should dynamically level to your highest level Pokemon, meaning that say you go to Brock and typically he has a Geodude, a Machop, and an Onix. They're 14, 16, 18, right? But you go and you over-level your Charmander, as we were just talking about, and you get him up to level 20 because you know that it's going to be hard for you to fight that GM having a Fire-type as your starter. The Onix then moves to a 20. Like, it's their highest-level Pokemon matches your highest-level Pokemon. And I think that could add to the difficulty because you can't over-level to beat a guy if you have the wrong types. You have to train up the correct typings to get past them. Yeah. Um, That's smart. That that's my one critique of it, but obviously, like I said, 
Pokemon was never designed for uh, super competitive 20-plus-year-old people trying to have a Dark Souls-type experience. Because, yes, Dark Souls is the only difficult game in existence. Uh, <laughs> I always laugh when people get mad about that, but it's the easiest analog for people to understand. Uh, or, like, Cuphead, I guess. Um, it's not meant to be that. But I th do think they should ha at least have options. Like, if that was an option in the menus or, like, uh, a Nuzlocke option. I did I ever explain what Nuzlocke are to you? I think I did, right? So, I'll explain this real quick, and then we'll get to our next things on our most anticipated. A Nuzlocke rundown, the way it works... I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it as if you're starting one. So you go to Professor Oak, you pick Charmander, okay? Or I don't know, who's your favorite starter from Gen 1? Squirtle? Charmander, oh, of course. Charmander? So you pick Charmander, cool. You get Charmander. The base rule is if any of your Pokemon faint in battle, it's like they died and you can no longer use them in your playthrough. So the moment a Pokemon dies, you have to box uh -huh. them. The second rule, and obviously there's variations of the Nuzlocke based on the person or whatever. These, I'm giving you the very base rules. The second rule is that you can only catch the first Pokemon you encounter on each route. So say you're leaving Pallet Town, you walk up in the grass, and the first thing you encounter is a Rattata. You have to either catch that Rattata or you can't catch anything else on Route 1. Um, so it's up to chance if it's a Pidgey, Rider, or a Rattata, or whatever ends up popping up. So it limits the amount of Pokemon you can catch. Um, and then there's other rules too. Like some people say that uh, you can't... Uh, event Pokemon count as uh, the catch too. So say you're in Route 34 and some guy's like, hey, here's this egg, hatch it for me, you can have the Pokemon. You can't get the egg and also get your first catch in that route in the wild grass. You have to pick one or the other. Some people are more loose. I'm more of the opinion that it's a different thing entirely. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really fun way to turn up the difficulty in Pokemon because you kind of have to think about your actions. Uh, but there's also... Like, there's a move in Pokemon called Dragon Rage that does 40 damage no matter what. So in the early game, most of your Pokemon have, like, 25 to 35 health. So it's an automatic kill. So one of the rules is, hey, if you run into a Pokemon that has that, instead of wiping your entire party because it can kill your entire party, you get to choose one of your Pokemon that has to get, quote-unquote, killed or put in the box, right? And then it gets even more interesting, Dom, when you include, like, playing the game through an emulator and randomizing it so all the encounters are wild. So when you walk out of Pallet Town, it's not only going to be a Rattata or Pidgey, it could be something else entirely because the game is random, just like your starters and stuff. So it's just a neat way to add replayability to the Pokemon games and add a bit of difficulty. It's really fun. Everyone has their own unique set of rules on top of those. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a blast. It's kind of like... Anyways playing dark souls with a guitar hero controller or something kind of exactly or like a banana and two coconuts or whatever that guy used to do i, I don't know if you I ever saw remember, those videos i do remember when we talked about it because this was um it was a mode in coromon if i'm not mistaken right yes yes it is a mode in coromon i i yeah. yeah you remember that and i didn't um that game's coming to switch this month too so i might end up buying it again and just playing it on my switch which would be dope um so, obviously, my fifth was Marvel's Midnight Suns. My fourth was Pokemon Scarlet Violet. Your fifth was Gotham Knights. Your fourth was... I'm going to use... I think you talked about it, right? I did mention uh, the cat game already. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Stray, which okay. is, you know, he's he's clawed his way into my list. <laughs> um, sorry. I don't know. It just looks really cool, um, and it's I'll probably end up getting a month worth of whatever the playstation plus tier i need for that uh to is included and then i, don't know, I might let it expire after that if i'm being honest and then i'm, I'm on the border of uh finding a, an xbox finally and then converting to game pass instead of um ps plus but anyway i'm excited to play stray it's just, i don't know so it looks creative it's this month different. right yeah it's july something it's in a week or two so it's coming up do we know the price of it I want to say it's 30 or 40. I feel it's not 70, you know. So it's in like that bug snacks price range, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, which, okay. it, which might be even high. I, I feel like this might be like a four-hour game or something. Yeah. So that might It does look be... great, though. This is the type of game, Dom, that if it launched in Game Pass day one, I'm playing it immediately, right? Right. It, it, it's, Perfect it's tough. for this PS Plus thing they're doing with it, I think. Um, I mean, based on how it looks, at least. But yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, like I said, creative and like 
cool robots and just like I've never played a game as a cat. I, I can't think of so uh, or even a dog for Ooh, that matter. Good question. Yeah, right. I guess the closest least... thing would be if we played some like weird Garfield licensed game when we were kids, I guess. Or like maybe a part of a game, like one section of something, maybe there's something weird. I don't know, I'm gonna have to look Yeah, at that. where you like you t- you take over the body of a cat and walk around or something. Probably. Yeah. We're probably forgetting something. Probably... Yeah. It sounds like a Witcher quest or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But yeah, I just um I don't, I'm not like super high expectations for this, but it it looks it just looks really cool and I'm excited to give it a try. It's something something different. So if the talk about it is really high too, I might do the same thing you did and do the month of whatever PlayStation Eternal plus lifetime supply, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> And hop in, not, then hop out. Not platinum, not silver, you know. Essential? Is that what it's called? There's an essential and a premium, I think. I don't no, know, esen- man. No, essential is like is the regular the one base? for days of yore. Okay, okay. <laughs> Weird. So I don't know what uh, of it. Premium and something else. Whatever. Next up, I, this game might also be on your list. Uh, we'll see. Uh, my number three, the Callisto Protocol. Uh, yeah, this yeah. game looks phenomenal. Uh, we talked about it a too. lot. So, we'll just mush them together. Uh, yeah, oh, cool. Uh, we talked about this at length, I think, during our Summer Game Fest review of all the games we loved, so I'm not gonna go too long on it, but, yeah, it looks incredible. The, the way they've designed a lot of the horror elements look like, similar to Dead Space, but with Glenn Schofield running his own studio, I, he doesn't have, I think, the, mo- the more overbearing nature of EA, where there's some like stuff in here that is way more grotesque, in my opinion, than stuff we saw in Dead Space. And I may just be misremembering all of Dead Space, but from what I remember, there's some crazy kill cams in this of the way the main character gets absolutely decimated. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. What about you? Yeah, same thing. Uh... I absolutely adored Dead Space 1 and 2. Never did play 3. It seemed like it wasn't as scary. It was a different type of thing. But 1 and 2 were just absolutely my shit in every kind of way. And so to see it kind of have it have this as a you know pseudo-successor or whatever, um, I'm super excited about it. And, and also, like, it's a new IP. And so as much as I like the concepts introduced in Dead Space with cutting off limbs and the, the weapons are unique and cool, um, it's kind of like getting to do that all over again. I'm really really trying to remind myself to appreciate new ideas and new ips of like that's how we can start new stuff and have new traditions and new games and not always be asking necessarily for direct sequels but so i'm curious to see what other creative stuff uh we we find in callisto protocol but mostly i just want to get the shit scared out of me and have some fun and you know kill some things Kind of well, and that's the thing, right? I think why we're so excited for starfield is because we love we can't wait for a new follow i can't wait yes. for new elder scrolls but also, Starfield is exciting because it's something new. Same thing with this. Exactly. My oh, one yeah. worry about this game is its date. It's coming out so oh, late yeah. in the year in December that I could totally see it being delayed. For sure. Um, that's my one concern. But in terms of the game itself, ah, oh, God, I cannot wait. I really hope that Xbox pays a pretty penny and puts this on Game Pass Day 1. I'll still buy it uh, regardless, but, man, that would be such a slam dunk for them. Um, speaking of new IP... In my opinion, probably the biggest surprise of Summer Game Fest in terms of a game no one saw coming, High on Life from Squanch Games. Obviously, this is a studio ran by Justin Roiland of uh, Rick and Morty fame. I cannot wait for this game. Uh, It's weird. It's funny. It's dark. It's everything you would love in, obviously, Rick and Morty. And it's a first-person shooter, which is also my bag. I love that genre. It's coming out in October on Game Pass, which is also phenomenal. No one knew this game was coming out. No one knew this game was in development. I watched an interview with Justin Roiland and the lead writer of this game talking about that this is a game they've wanted to make for a long time, that they enjoyed making Trevor Sa- or Trover Saves the Universe, but this was like Justin Roiland's dream game for what he wanted to do at Squanch Games. Uh, there was a report that came out after Summer Game Fest that we talked about, Dom, where The Quarry and uh, High on Life were both Stadia-exclusive games. And they were being published by Stadia before Google pulled the plug on the support of the streaming service in the way they were. And they had to find new publishers. And thank God that that, uh, Squanch Games was able to because I cannot wait for this game. To your point of like new IP, I'm excited. I think a couple of weeks ago we talked about how much I love Rick and Morty. You haven't watched yet. And I told you like, hey, you should check it out because I think you'll enjoy it. I just love Justin Rowland's type of humor. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's a little bit off-putting. Yeah, it's super strange. 
but it's so different than a lot of stuff we get and I, I cannot wait for it this is a game that like if you're like hey the rick and morty guys are making a first person shooter where the guns are aliens that talk to you and each have their unique personalities i'm like i'm in and i didn't know it was a thing and once i did i'm so stoked yeah it's it's something i it hasn't grabbed me yet um this might be like a maybe this will end up being like a psychonauts where uh i'm just a minute late but once i get in there i'm like oh okay i, I see it i see the charm now and, and i can appreciate this but so far i'm like that's fun that's different you know but not really, not really it's very me. weird and i totally get if it's not the type of humor for everybody but for me it just totally clicks and i don't know if that's from if this was my first thing from justin Roiland getting into i don't know if i'd feel the same as you but because i have the history of watching what five seasons of rick and morty like i get i've i've grown into the humor so much that i get it you know what i mean so i, I don't know yeah. it's, it's interesting i might need to just open my mind a little bit too sometimes it just closes up a little here and there yeah but, but sometimes games aren't for everyone either you know yeah. i'm not gonna bash you for not being into it but yeah I, I cannot wait what's your number two uh shoot okay so i talked about gotham knights stray stray protocol yep what am i missing here number one's obvious but oh no there we go that's right because it's at the bottom for some reason but it's actually number two so it recently announced, I think just today or yesterday, uh, the next chapter in the Dark Pictures anthology is set to come out. Oh, this okay. Fall, which very I was I kind of forgot about that because I had so much fun just recently playing The Quarry, and I had still never finished. Actually, um, we started up House of Ash, which is the last Dark Picture anthology. Game. Wait, so you're saying I can get a double dose this October with uh with uh both of these games? The quarry yeah. since I haven't played it in this. Okay. And so, I mean, go and watch the trailer that just came out for um I missed this Dark Pictures game. It's called Devil in Me or Devil in something. The Devil sure. in Me, right? Or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. it's some kind of like weird hotel with some torturing situations going on and like, you know, trick uh trick walls and traps and I don't know exactly what is going like on. Like saw stuff? A lit not not quite so elaborate, but there was one part of the trailer where, like, yeah, someone's strapped down and this weird um, pendulum pitchfork thing comes at it. It's weird. It's scary. Anyway, I don't know. It seems like some kind of, like, mastermind has created this house and has these traps around it. So it's sort of like Saw, maybe, but there might be more to it. I'm sure there'll be, like, an actual supernatural aspect, I gotta imagine. Um, but it wasn't super clear, at least that I noticed. But anyway, it looks cool. Um, I'm, I mean, like, yeah, like, like bring it you know it was the same cast of not the same cast but you know another cast of five or six teenagers or whatever who are in this hotel and just you know doing their thing getting themselves killed so <laughs> i'm wondering if i'm a little too violent but i'm excited to again get the shit scared out of me Let's bring it on oh wait hold on i think the article i'm reading might be wrong the thing i'm seeing says winter 2023 but they're probably wrong well, Hold on, let me go to yeah, a different article. I could have sworn that the end of the trailer said fall 2022, which which would make sense because that'd be weird. Yeah, this fall. That other article is wrong. Sorry. The, okay. the reason I'm looking through articles is I'm trying to find the ca like the actual cast of people they because the thing with the quarry that was surprising is it had obviously Brenda Song and a bunch of other actors, yeah, uh, a lot of character actors, people you'd recognize. Um, uh, what, is that, what is that guy's name? Justice something. Justice Smith, yeah, from Detective Pikachu fame. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it. I there's there's a recent movie that came out called Men, which I don't know if you ever saw the trailer to. It's about a woman who goes like on vacation and she's haunted by like traumatic. It's a, it's, it seems like it's about like childhood trauma and stuff dealing with men. Uh, but that actress in that film is one of the main characters in this. It looks like. Oh, so that's cool. Okay. Jessica Buckley or Jesse Buckley, I think is her name. Speaking um, of. Uh, what did we see? The Black Phone recently? Highly recommend. It's a spooky movie. Oh, Ethan know. Hawk, right? Yeah. Uh, written by, uh, written and directed by the team that did the first Doctor Strange movie. Uh, oh. C. Robert Argyle was the writer and the director was, I can't remember his name. I just keep thinking Sam Raimi, which is, it's the, that was, the, he directed the latest Doctor Strange. The newest one, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah, I've heard good things as well. Can't wait to get around to it. Now, our number one is obviously God of War Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Surprise. The thing I want to talk about first, though, 
Last of Us Part 1 isn't on either of our list. I made a decision. I think I might have told you. I'm not paying $70 for that shit. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to hold out. Because I know we know it's going to go on sale. It, it'll probably end up in one of the PlayStation Plus tiers as a game. You know, That might be another two years away. But in the meantime, it'll, it'll go down to like 50 bucks or something. That's more what I think it should cost. It's like 50 bucks. Yeah, and it's hard to be excited or anticipating something that is mostly a known quantity. Like, sure, it's going to look better. It's going to have slightly different environments based on things they've slightly changed and all of that, which is great. But it's it's not as drastic of a change. Like, it's not a remake. Well, I guess it is a remake. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. It's it's not exciting, uh, but I will get around to it when I get around to it. And the one thing I want to mention first with God of War Ragnarok, the reason it's number one on my list isn't honestly because it's the game I'm most excited for necessarily, but it is the safest bet. Like, I think out of all the games I have on my list, it is the safest bet to be an incredible experience I'm going to thoroughly enjoy from beginning to end. Now, will it be the number one game on my game of the year list? Who knows? Probably, but who knows? But I know for a fact in my heart of hearts that it's going to be a great game. The other ones, High on Life, could be bad. Callista Protocol could be mediocre. Like, all these other games are unknown quantities. God of War Ragnarok might might not be the game I enjoy the most, but it's the safest bet, you know? The highest quality uh, pixel for pixel that we're going to get this year. So, that's why it's number one on my list. And uh, And, That's a good way to put it. I I like what you say there, because we know just about everything that that can be measured like when you're like thinking about how good a game is, is going to be really good in this game, right? We know it's yeah. going to look great. It's going to feel great. Um, it's going to perform well. Like we know the writing is going to be really good. Granted, there might be some things that are nitpicky, right? It's probably, that's probably the one area where like maybe some of the specific writings, like we we're like, ah, I didn't like that quite so much. Um, or if like people be... don't think they evolve the combat enough, right? Like it's still great, but they, does yeah. it feel different than the first one? Could something be some like things... that. Yeah, it could be some things like that. Um, but like we just know like the amount of love and care and uh, blood, sweat, and tears probably is more an appropriate way of putting like the amount that's gone into making this, and the money, and the time, and like it's yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be great. Um, now I don't know if it can be as good as. The, the last game from 2018 that's going to be really tough um that's going to be dependent on you know how much more can the story do how impactful can the story be because like among among many things that's kind of what made the first game so good was kratos and atreus and like their relationship and so i don't can't just do the same shit again like how does that evolve how does that connect with all the ragnaroki stuff that's going on in the world and whatever else um so I, oof, I'm really pumped for this. Hopefully it, it stays in this year. We can obviously see that falling another month or two or something like that into 2023. So as Sony games often do, they usually get a couple months delays, like once or twice actually. But hopefully this sticks. Um, I want to check something real quick. Oh, also, uh, uh, the actor for Thor, Ryan Hurst. I love that guy. He was in, uh, he was in The Walking Dead. But his character. He was also the main, one, the main, one of the main leads in uh, "Remember the Titans." Oh well, yes, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, long time ago, say, but yes. <laughs> of course, I forget about "Remember the Titans." It's, always, it's a good movie, but I, I don't. I need to watch it again. It's been since I was a kid. Best sports movie of all time, in my opinion. Ooh, 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 you're gonna have to have a word with uh, Happy Gilmore and uh, Miracle, and that's a good debate we're gonna have to have sometime. But anyway. Also, Sons of Anarchy. He's really good. Replacements. Oh yeah, he wasn't Sons of Anarchy, right? Yeah. Fuck, the replacements is so good. That might be it, actually. There's a lot of good sports movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of bad ones Uh, too, but a lot of good ones. The Sandlot. Oh man, that one's so good. Damn. Uh, Yeah, but he is honestly, I think, going to be the breakout. I think he's gonna when the Game Awards happen. I think he's gonna be nominated for Performance of the Year. Because I think he is such a good actor. I think the Thor role in this game is going to be pivotal. Um, another person I think could steal the show. Uh, I was looking up who's going to voice him because I didn't know is a Tear. Because Tear is going to be a big part of this with Ragnarok and everything. And they've shown him in the trailer. Um, the guy voicing him is named Ben Pendergrast, which isn't a name that necessarily comes to me out of no out of nowhere. 
Like, I don't necessarily know who that is. But looking at his work, he is fused in Apex Legends. He's a great character. Uh, really funny, really outlandish. He's like a demolitions expert. Uh, very similar to the demolitions expert in uh, at the Atlantis mo uh, animated movie from back in the day. I don't know if you remember that movie. Uh, he also voiced General Hux in Star Wars Resistance. I never watched that animated show. Um, he was also in Preacher. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff. He was a character in Hades. Obviously, Hades has tremendous voice acting. So... I think this dude, if he does a great performance, which I wouldn't be surprised if he does, I think Tyr and Thor have a chance to carry this game because, like your point, the core of the first game was the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, and you can't just run that back again, right? Yeah. And I wonder if maybe the the core of this might be Atreus's relationship with the big twist of the game. I kind of don't want to spoil it, even though it's been a while, uh, with that whole thing of that revelation. But yeah, Tyr and Thor are super exciting. I honestly didn't know if Ryan Hurst was playing Thor or Tyr. I couldn't remember. So thank you for clearing that up. Super exciting. Uh, yeah, so comparing it to our list, they're pretty much different. So the quarry is not on my list. Pokemon is. God of War is. Stalker isn't. Cuphead isn't. So I had one, two, I had three changes on mine. Yours, you had Gotham Knights uh, and God of War Ragnarok. And the other three were Switch. Quarry because it came out for Spoken because it got delayed. Last of Us Part 1 because uh, we give our reasons. If Forspoken didn't get delayed, would it still be on your list? Or no? Do you think it would have been pushed down? Not that you wouldn't be anticipating it, but would it be out of your top five? I think it might have bumped, bumped out Gotham Knights. Yeah. I Ooh, just, good call. Yeah. Um, Because I have so much hesitation with Gotham Knights. And at least Forspoken is like, you know, something entirely original. And the protagonist looks really cool. Um. And it might not all work out, right? I can see, like, maybe the stuff, I, the pieces might not come together to be, like, a cool game in, in a way, like, I gotta work. Like, the pieces all co are so cohesive, it's crazy. But, like, um, yeah, it, I still, there's hesitations around it. But I get excited, again, about some new original IP and different types of gameplay and some cool stuff going on. Plus, Gary Witta helped write it. Um, so he's cool. Uh, Rogue One's a great movie. <laughs> Gary Wood is cool. Confirmed here on Controlled Interest Gamecast. Yeah. Uh, let's go real quick into what we've been playing. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. Been playing the usuals like Fortnite and Rock League that I dabble in. Uh, but the things I wanted to focus on, one, I started up the Cuphead DLC. That game's still hard. Uh, <laughs> it's more so about me getting used to the game again, right? Like getting in the groove. Um, but man, did it smack me in the face of like, yeah, I haven't played Cuphead in a while. I need to kind of rejuvenate. Uh, Ch uh, Miss Chalice plays different, so instead of... You played Cuphead, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so instead of uh, having the jump parry, her parry is a dash parry, which is a very different mechanic to get used to um, with stuff. So that has a bit of a learning curve there. Like I said, I haven't played a whole bunch of it, maybe like 25 minutes. I think overall usually takes people between 3 and 5 hours to complete, uh, so I can't wait to dive into that fully. Uh, Fall Guys released free-to-play since we last recorded. Having a blast with that game. It's so fun. Uh, me and my friends have such a blast on there. Uh, I won a crown, like, in my third game. Nice. Killed it. I am still good at video games, Dom, I like to report. I mean, yeah, I'd just be Eldering for sure, which is enough on my gamer card of, like, yeah. But Fall Guys, getting that crown that early. I have a couple of friends who've played hundreds of matches at maybe not hundreds that's a lot dozens of matches at this point still haven't sniffed a crown and just those fun jabs you get to take it them so good nothing Dude, like taking good jab at your friend i i've watched a lot of gameplay of fall guys and somehow i don't really believe it i think they're lying but apparently speaking of gary witta he and mike snowbike mike snowbike they won mike. five games in a row of a specific mode so let me tell you, this specific okay. mode is a soccer mode. It's 4v4, and it's first person to score a goal wins. Okay. So it's, so not it's like the easiest mode. way okay. to win. Yeah. The, they took okay. advantage of that game mode, which props to them. But yeah, winning five, and I hate to say this because I, I don't want to be that type of person, legitimate Fall Guys uh, matches. They call them shows because it's meant to be like a, a, you know, like a game show. Uh, that's crazy difficult and almost impossible. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would call that impossible. That would be Check some, out some Fall Guys speedruns if you have a chance. That's incredible. These people that like speedrun through these levels and just dominate people. It's Damn. insane. They understand the physics of that game on a level in which I'd need a PhD to do so. 
Um, <laughs> otherwise, I checked out Matchpoint Tennis, which is this tennis game that came out on Game Pass. I used to play the hell out of Virtua Tennis uh, on the original Xbox, or maybe the 360. I don't remember what it was out on. Virtua Tennis 5. I think it was a 360. I am not a huge tennis guy in terms of following tennis on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, but I loved that game so much. I just got a kick out of it. I love sports games in general, and that one just clicked for me. Haven't played a tennis game since. Learned recently there's not a whole lot of tennis games on the market. This one came out to Game Pass. I'm like, hey, I'm going to download it and check it out. It isn't a great tennis game. I probably won't stick for it for long. It isn't as snappy and as high quality as Virtua Tennis is. It definitely is made from an, like a, a more indie-ish studio, and I don't want to gripe them too much. I'm I, I'm just thankful that they're bringing a tennis game to market because I think a lot of people want that. Um, not a whole lot of people, but you know some people. And it it, it gave me enough of the uh, nostalgia of playing that game that I think I'm just gonna drop it and move on because uh, it just isn't what I wanted out of it. But it was cool that it came to Game Pass and I got to try it for no investment really outside of my subscription. So that's cool. Got to hit some levels. Uh, uh, you know, House Flipper came to Game Pass, which I can't wait to hop into. It's a popular PC game where you clean out houses and flip them. It's a very OCD centric game. Oh, yeah, that's so on... satisfying. Yeah, uh, uh, what is it called? The uh, Lawnmower Simulator is also coming to Game Pass in a week, which I can't wait for. That's the one where you just mow lawns and stuff, which also looks so satisfying. Um, and these what? are games that I'd be like, I'm so dumb for like wanting to buy and play these games. But if it comes to Game Pass, I'm like, hey, there's something in your brain that clicks. It's kind of like people who get a kick out of Stardew Valley or these like simulation management games where it's just like, yeah, I'll move these items and rearrange them in this chest and do all this stuff that I don't want to do in real life in my own house, but I'll do it in this video game. That's what I was uh, going to say is I, I'm the big, one of the biggest complainers about mowing my lawn, and yet I kind of feel like I get it, like wanting to do that in a game where you can make it perfect and you can set the lines up in any any pattern and sequence you want i kind of can oh, see the appeal dude there's uh on tiktok uh the algorithm is so good but there's this account where this landscaper goes to the city and is like hey this lot is like overgrown and terrible can i just get a contract to like clean it up and he goes and he mows the entire thing he cleans up the sidewalk he like air pressure washes the sidewalk and cleans up everything and it's so satisfying to watch i'm becoming such an old man and i love it i'll sit there and watch like these three minute videos of these 60 year old men who have been working on clay teapots their entire life making from scratch and it's remarkable what people can handcraft uh, after years of experience man it's just like it's it's like very zen for me honestly it's like some people meditate for me those type of videos are very comforting like I can't do ASMR. I've never been a fan of it. It just doesn't. Yeah. When people say like, yeah. oh, it tingles my ear and it makes me feel good. Hopefully not in the way people interpret that. But like, you know, it's comforting. For me, it's like, that's uncomfortable. I, I don't like it. Yeah, uh, I never got into that either. Anyways, back to video games. The other thing I wanted to mention in terms of, I haven't played it, uh, this specific thing I'm going to mention yet, but it's a game I play, which is Smite. They recently announced a partnership with Nickelodeon. They've done it before with Avatar The Last Airbender and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But the new season is going to have skins for characters that are Danny Phantom, Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life, uh, the, the Toast Man. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, and a couple of other skins that look really cool. Uh, just another excuse to hop back into Smite and play it. I'm working in Fortnite towards that Darth Vader skin, Dom. I'm so close. <laughs> it's the reward for getting to level 100 in Fortnite this season, which doesn't end till like September, so I have plenty of time. But, God, it's such a sick skin, and I can't wait. And also, following Obi-Wan, I'm just, I want to play as Darth Vader so bad. Uh, that's it for me. Anything of note for you? Yeah, this little game that uh, I finished called Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I don't remember how much I talked about it last time, the last podcast we did. Very briefly. I, that's I what I thought. Like I must have at least mentioned it, but I've entirely finished it. Um, I'm one trophy away from the Platinum really just put a shit ton into into this game the past couple weeks and it is interesting i think hmm. the story it, i think i did mention like it's kind of awkward how this game starts it's very immediate sequel to the first game and it feels awkward the way it gets you into it but once you get into it it's like it starts to feel good and then you're like you know you get this glider which is 
kind of actually a, a different kind of glider. It's if you, it's not nearly as like Breath of the Wild. That thing will take you far, right? That glider. This glider is more. It's really more like you can just safely land. It's more like a parachute. It's kind of like halfway between a glider and a parachute. It doesn't like take like a, a safety net, not a traversal tool, kind of. It's yeah. It's a little bit of a traversal tool, but not fully. Not as much as you might think, right? Okay. I think the shape of it kind of indicates that too. It's more circular than. You know, the Breath of the Wild glider is you know, more uh, angular. But anyway, it's cool. I, I think it was, I appreciated that it's a little bit different of a take on it. It wasn't kind of the same old thing. And then you get a grappling hook too, which is pretty cool. Um, they do some cool stuff with that. And, you know, there's new machines. Um, a lot of like, it's just the, the map is enormous and there's just so much stuff to do. But it all kind of gets dumped on you um, in ways that I didn't necessarily find satisfying. It's kind of just. You know, you get out of this first area that's the tutorial area, more or less, and then um, basically you unlock three main sections of the map after that. They're just enormous, and they just fill up with icons of stuff to do, but not necessarily, like, specific reasons to go do them. I kind of just felt more like I just want to do the main story. Um, every now and again, you have to go find a specific part, and so you have to go hunting for a specific machine and so on. But... There's even as far as I just said I've gotten through the game and as much as I've done, there's so much of the map I've not even uncovered with icons all over it and and that kind of stuff. So I don't know what it I don't know exactly the the root of it, but as big as it is and as beautiful as it is, there's just not quite the motivation to like go and get into every corner. Maybe my my theory is that I'm playing this coming off of Elden Ring. The exact opposite experience in that regard where like i just felt like i wanted to dig into every inch of elden ring right even though it was huge um it didn't just pour you know notification or you know uh map pins on top of you and just say oh have fun with it it was you know it just felt more natural in elden ring to go and look into stuff and find out what it is doesn't always work out you might not you might find something that has no use to you right but Whereas in Horizon, like, everything is useful, basically, and, you know, the resources are good, and, you know, I don't know. So it was a little bit odd, but the story, um, I really liked, actually, Aloy's story in this game. They really honed in on her. Um, I won't obviously spoil it, but they actually made her, I think, even more interesting from the first game um, and how she changes throughout this one. And they just, they really pull out some crazy sci-fi shit, I'll say, with... uh. Basically, some of the oh, that actually that, intrigues me. I think, <laughs> I yeah, I think you you'll like some of the stuff they go into. There's a, there's one thing at the end that I'm like, all right, that's a little weird. That's a little whack. They didn't think that all the way through. Um, and of course, it cliffhangs into an inevitable sequel, sequel. But but throughout the most of the majority of the game, they really expand on like some of the sci-fi concepts that they introduce. They really just take them to the next level. I'm like, oh shit! Like it's cool moments of like ah. And you're like, it's weird and crazy, but then you're like, well, it makes sense, though, since that can do that. And you know what I mean? Um, and so there's a couple things like that that are actually really cool. Um, and in this game, there's like, it almost does a Mass Effect thing of, you know, you're building a team. And they do a good job of that. It's kind of like Mass Effect Light in that sense. There's not, there's not as many missions for each character, but there are, you know, each character that you team up with gets their own missions and they chill in your base and you can chat with them and, shoot the shit and play little games and um that's really well done i really like that um kind of as an addition from the first game and it plays into um the development of aloy's character like i mentioned too but obviously i won't say the specifics but overall i felt like i think the first game was just so new and original and unique and it just had like this kind of awe to it it was just like incredibly cool and a little bit of that wore off this time around is kind of what I think I can mostly say. Still, absolute great game, definitely. The combat is even deeper. There's more ammo type. There's more weapon types, uh, more machines, like I mentioned. Um, it's still super satisfying to rip off machine parts and, like, you know, knock away their armor, use elemental weapons to shock them or stun them or whatever it is. Um really great combat uh just like the first game but even even deeper even better so it it's very much a sequel um 
and there's not really that much I can actually like fault it on you know if I'm trying to like think of like a typical video game review scale um, there's not really many negative points it just didn't have quite the the awe that the first one had of like you know these are machine dinosaurs that's a t-rex but it's a machine which is like incredible the first time you encounter it and you go on this big uh, i'll never forget like the first mission where like your objective is to hunt one of those they call thunder jaws right um and it's an ordeal and you plan and prep for it. it's kind of like a monster hunter type thing um, where you figure out what you're going to you know the types of traps and weapons that are going to help you against it um and so on and like that was a little bit lessened here um because like we've seen these machines before even the new ones you're like oh that's an elephant and it's cool it's a little bit like oh shit it's an elephant um but it, the, the i don't know the newness of that concept is a little worn off by this point but still a really great game uh, easy recommendation for you know action games rpgs and all that kind of stuff for sure how long did it take you like 15 20 hours yeah it's not it's not the main story i think was in the 25 hour range for me um okay so it's not like you know overly huge there's just a lot of stuff all around you that it wants you to do but you, you know what i mean you can kind of just leave it be after Elden Ring, anything under 40 seems short <laughs> by comparison exactly. so <laughs> yeah. yeah uh that's good to hear uh you know it's funny that you say that with Horizon because I think that leads to like the hesitancy with God of War of like, mm-hmm. you know, we know it's going to be yep. good, but will that same sentiment be there? Where is the magic? Does the magic wear off? Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm hoping characters like Fenrir and Tyr and Thor really shine to add another level to that. Um, it's gonna be interesting. We'll see. And part of it too is like the design of it too of it being an open world game, like how more dynamically different can you make it as opposed to like a more linear narrative game like God of War you can kind of direct players in a way that will feel different purposefully yeah. you know so yeah. we'll see it's good to hear though I can't believe you already beat it um, hopefully we can get on it. Chris on sometime so you guys can do like a spoiler cast that'd be cool talk about your experiences with it but by the time I play it it'll probably be out of vogue um Anyways, that's it for this week's show, episode 248. Thank you guys for listening. Can't wait for all the games coming out for the rest of the year. Our most anticipated. I can't wait till we do our most anticipated for 2023 because, boy, there's a ton of games coming out next year. I can't wait to play. Anyways, that's it for the show. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out on YouTube. Search Controlled Interest. will pop right up. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a podcast. Hit the like uh, notification so you help us in the algorithm. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you're most anticipating for this year in terms of video games. Other than that, you can follow us on your favorite podcast service. Leave us a review. It definitely helps if that's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Leave us a review. Por favor. That is Spanish for please. (laughs) Other than that, you can follow us on Twitter. Collectively, we are CTRLINT. It's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. Dom is at Obidom Kenobi, but the O is the number zero, not the letter O. And I am at Jared Weich, which is J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Um, yeah, other than that, we'll catch you guys next time as we inch ever closer to episode 250. And, oh, one last thing. We're going to talk about the whole E3 returning next week. Uh, we didn't have time to cover it this week, but we'll cover it next week and what that means for Summer Game Fest and everything else happening. Catch you guys then. Bye.